Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Stellaris, Age of Wonders Planetfall, Total War of Warhammer, and much, much more. Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I am worn out. Had a long week, mm. but uh, yes. a good one. A good one. Had a good weekend today. I um, I, I did some community service. Uh, I helped uh, change the oil and fill fluids for about 130 single women in my community mm. today. Uh, so that felt good. But now I'm pretty worn out, getting in and out of cars and under cars and everything. Yeah. So, uh, ready to do a good show. How about you? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm also a little bit worn out, but it's not because of my community service. It's because I've been staying up late at night playing Red Dead Redemption Two. So it's 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 a different kind of satisfaction. But I'll talk about that later <laughs> on. So awesome. Well, it's still a noble pursuit in my book. I don't do. I don't know, man. Helping. Uh, you know, helping women that need help with stuff that normally um, most people these days don't even do anymore. You know, they don't fix their cars. They take it to a shop. They they don't know the first thing about them. That's more noble than me playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't, you know, not comparable. But <laughs> I don't know if it's more enjoyable. And that's, know. you know, we'll discuss that later. Sounds good. All right, we're going to kick things off with a very brief update about Thea 2, The Shattering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This game... We've known it's going to come out in early access here soon, and now we have an official date, and it is November 30th, 2018. Mm-hmm. So you have 27 more days to prepare yourself for Thea 2, The Shattering. I'd, I still think we're under a video embargo for the game, or at least, you know, they've asked I can, us... I can find out. I can yeah. find... But the thing is, like, a lot of the... A lot of the Kickstarter backers have copies, and I don't remember if um, not Kickstarter was no yeah, Kickstarter was the Kickstarter, was Kickstarter mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't remember if there was anything. I'll ask him about it. But the thing is, I I want to. It was in the, it was in the update that came with it. They asked not to make videos yet because it's in pre-alpha. So right. So so as a clarification, the release this month is going to be into early access. This right. is not a full release. The game is not ready for that. I mean, it's really good shape for what it is, but it's, you know, it's not ready for full release. So I just, I, I want to be clear about that. No doubt. So I hear we're going to talk about Civ Six next? We are. Um, an interesting article uh, popped up for me based on something I saw on Twitter, and this is P, um, PCGN. So that's a gaming news site um was postulating that there's going to be some kind of a dlc release april 14th 2019 based on some stuff that they saw so of course that leads to others such as strategy gamer you know thinking about it now i'm thinking about it what's going on there and this came from civ fanatics forum and i'm a member there. i've been a member there for a long time this is like the the most best awesomest website if you're into civ games more than reddit more than fraxis forum more than any place more than ours more than anybody this is like focuses on the civ on the many civ games you know the various iterations mods things like that so okay yeah i mean this is not confirmed we don't know but we too shall go ahead and hypothesize that 
yeah, why not? February, it's the last time when they released uh, Rise and Fall about a year ago. So at a release schedule of, I don't know what it is, 15 to 18 months, February makes sense. And Civ 6 definitely, definitely needs a second major expansion. And that might be what it takes to propel it to the next level. So, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed and keep our ears to the ground and our eyes open and, you know, see what comes of it, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I think next we'll move on to Age of Wonders Planetfall. And this week we got a dev diary on colony development. And this is part two. Last week we reported on part one. And so this week we're reporting on part two. And in this one, it talks about colonists, like your population units. And it talks about how you get colonists to grow. And you want to do that by maximizing food production, which is my preferred way for colonists or population units to grow i like it when i have some say like i can emphasize food production and get more people so i like that now it's capped by the amount of sectors that you have absorbed into a particular colony so that's it's not a, just a hex it's like a series of hexes they're divided up into sectors and you can annex those as mm-hmm. your colony grows and the more you yeah. have the more people you can have so food drives growth in Age of Wonders Planetfall, which is something that um, that I really like. Well, I mean, we'll see when they reveal all six factions. Maybe food oh, doesn't well, drive true. growth the same way for each faction. That's and true. a small clarification, when they say sectors, the term now or that we mostly associate with sectors is from Stellaris. So the sectors here would be more equivalent to regions how they are in Endless Legend. Endless Legend, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, or maybe in the Eodor games or something like that, you know? Uh, yeah, maybe well, Eodor, I mean, in they're the not sense. regularly shaped hexes well, it's, exactly. It, Sometimes it's they have It's not five so sides. much about that. It's, it's not about that as it is just an area that you are trying to control. So where in Civ-type games, you have your border pop, you know? Right. But in Unless Legend... And Eodor and others, you actually don't pop your borders. You take control of other regions around you. That's the expanding border. So that's that's how it is in here. That's what they mean by sectors, like the regions that surround. And each one will have its own unique, uh, possibly structures or quests or maybe a minor faction or maybe an independent city or something like that. So there's a lot there. like Yeah, you know, which we uh, covered in uh, great detail. Yes. Last week. So yes. if you missed that, then you can go back and listen to that one. Yes. One of the interesting things, speaking of food, is that your different colonies can share food. But, and this is where I have a little bit of a problem with this name, it's a manual thing. So, oh, oh, micromanagement. Yeah, this is where the, this looks like micromanagement to me. Mm. Um, your colonies are set to default to not have a deficit in food, okay? And that, that just makes sense. Or, or at least they will attempt not to. You know, let's say you're on a bad zone or something. You can't make enough food to support the population, so you lose some. Okay, that's fine. But you can start sharing food around. So, like, if you want to really drive growth in a particular colony, you can set your other colonies to share food and that colony to just take food. And Wait. you can kind of, like, force feed your people into reproducing. Hold on, okay. hold on. Uh, do you mean colony? Or do you mean city? Okay, they look like they are calling cities colonies mm, in this okay. game. Okay? okay, the people right. are called colonists. Well, that, the that cities kind of, that are makes called sense. colonies. Huh. So um, that that's oh. a bit confusing to me too, Nate. Because when I hear colonies, I think multiple planets, and I don't think yeah, that's the yeah. type of game we have yeah. here. So, Which would be, I mean, that would be super cool if that was the case. But you know, my God, this game is going to be massive if you to you know yeah, you have multiple yeah. colonies to manage and right. You know. So I'm I'm using the word colony, but for Planetfall, you should think a city. Okay. Um, the problem is, like I said, this seems like micromanagement where you got to go in and manually change each city in order to pr- produce the effect that you want. Now you can just leave them alone, I guess, and they'll be okay. But we know Forex gamers are naturally min-maxers, and we're going to want to minimize our, our losses, maximize our gains. And so here's the thing you got to fiddle with. Now, if there is like a spreadsheet-type window that you can open up and see all your colonies and you can do this from there, it won't be too bad. 
But if you have to go to each individual city and double click on that to bring up the city UI, that's a micromanagement problem. So if yeah. they can do it like Endless Legend does, and you mm -hmm. can really manipulate your cities from a, a single window, mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. your cities, mm -hmm. then it's going to be fine. It'll be, yeah, it'll you, be okay. You can manipulate growth. You can manipulate... Yeah. Uh, where you have your pops assigned and all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like so, what, what they're building and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. If Planetfall can mimic Endless Legends UI design, then it'll be okay. But if you have to visit each city individually, that's going to be a real problem. Um, also this week, they talk a lot about happiness. And happiness is what makes your people happy. And if you get enough happiness, you'll get a happiness event. And if your people are unhappy enough, they'll rebel. And then also you'll get an unhappiness event. And, uh, you know, the happiness ones will give you a boost to your particular resources like income and influence and technology, research, all that. And then unhappiness will take that sort of thing away. Um, let's see. What else have we got in here that's pretty interesting? There was a teaser in oh, there. Well, you got to see from one of the pictures, you got to see some more, uh, some more of the Dvar units because there was, I believe right. they had told us a week ago that they were going to start discussing the third major faction, but they didn't. And as a result, they're like, well, let us, let us show you what it looks like a little bit. Yeah. And speaking so, of that particular mm -hmm. picture, it brings up colony defenses mm -hmm. and each colony gets a couple of different things. Uh, one is militia spawn, so that way, you know, if one of your colonies slash cities gets attacked, you'll have some units there to protect it. And then also turret defenses in each of the different factions gets their own type of turret. So the Vanguard get a repeater turret, which is a heavy impact kinetic weapon. Uh, let's see. The Amazons get a laser turret, which uh, I guess has shields that, that can overheat if, if it uses them too much. Uh, there's an assembly arc coil where it get, like it shoots out a lightning bolt and it can bounce from enemy unit to enemy unit and damage more than one. Ouch. Another AoE attack for the Divar. It's like a, a mortar, so it shoots out a mortar and like it'll hit multiple units uh, within its area of effect. So that's all pretty neat. I think those are the major things. Like it gives you a bunch of fiddly things to do with happiness if you want and stuff like that. It, it tells you like how fast a city can grow and, and these sorts of things. But, you know, for the most part, it looks like there'll be more to do with colony management slash city management in this game. I just I'm a little bit concerned about food sharing. That one. Well, it, it depends on how they do it. You know, well, will it, it be automated to a degree? Testing. Yeah, you know, right, right. In, in playtesting, they say, yeah, this is too fiddly. We need an easier way to do it. Mm -hmm. And then well, we'll see. We'll kind of just have to wait and see, you know, the wait and see approach. So, okay. So, moving on, um, this past week, we had an update from Interstellar Space Genesis, and they, rele they released pre Alpha 11 which they call Unstable, which I think is a funny name. And within this alpha... So, okay, first of all, in order to get access to it, you had to have... Uh, I believe you can still buy... There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to, like, buy an early... Not an early access key, but, like, buy the game key, and then you get access to this. And um, within it, they're introducing several new things. First of all, they're overhauling the star map, and the system view is... They're adding objects into it, like, you know, like three-dimensional um, artifacts and whatnot. So that's being revised. They added a new race, a new playable race called the Sulak. They, are, they added basic espionage, which is uh, leaders trying to convince other leaders, of, like the hero units, trying to convince other leaders of stuff, stealing technology, sabotage, all kinds of, you know, diplomatic stuff, uh, their events. Now, another thing is each of the factions is going to have a random tech tree. Now, I don't know if it's by random. I don't know if it's like they mean specifically unique and random or if it's just going to be unique that each faction has their own. So it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, there's a there's a new soundtrack that they added and then they added some leaders. And I mean, they have a pretty extensive list of some of the stuff that they did and they're talking, it's, it's pretty long. I, I could spend two shows just talking about it. So I'll just, we'll have a link, take a look. Um, Oliver is checking it out now. So I'm hoping to hear back from him soon and 
and most likely he'll do another kind of preview on it because he was waiting for a major update to do that. So the last one was well received. A lot of people, you know, were pretty excited about what he had. And if if any listener doesn't know this, Oliver is pretty good when he looks at the game mechanics. I don't necessarily agree with him as far as what he considers good and bad games because that's personal choice and each each of us has what we like and don't like. But as far as the mechanical aspect of a game, how the mechanics within the game interact with one another, he's really good at that. And, uh, you know, so definitely keep an eye out for his review. But uh, the, another thing they released is they released a trailer type thing where they have, I'm not, I don't even remember this point. It's it's basically like a little preview trailer type thing. They show you some of the changes. They show you what the UI looks like. So um, we'll have that also in the notes. So click on that, take a look. We'll have a link to their website if you want to check it out. So yeah, I mean, it's it's proceeding very, it's, it's slow, but it is continuous and it is regular. It's not like they're working on it and we don't hear nothing for nine months. You know, they're constantly interacting. They have a Discord channel, you know. They talk on our forums. They got their own. So if you have any questions, by all means, ask and we can, we'll gladly pass that on. And uh, with that, why don't you tell us about Dawn of Andromeda? Yeah, we got a bit of a patch for Dawn of Andromeda. This is version 1.5. And in it, there's going to be a slight performance improvement, which is great. We all love optimization, especially as the game gets toward the end and tends to grind a little bit more. They also fixed, I don't know, almost 20 different bugs here. Uh, Some of them, they're called tentative fixes because I guess they're going to try this. And if it doesn't work, they'll either undo it or try again. Uh, One of the other interesting things that comes with this patch is they've rebalanced some of the technology times to be generally faster. So research in Dawn of Andromeda will be a bit bit easier, take less time, speed up the game a little bit. Nate, I know you played this game. Did it ever seem like the slog through the tech tree was inordinately long? Uh, That's a tough question to answer because I, I... When I play games, I don't play them. So a lot of the Forex games I play within the settings, you can speed up the research times. So there are people that are like, oh, man, I hate how long it takes to do stuff. So they speed it up to like faster research, faster building. See, I'm not one of those people. And Dawn of Andromeda is not on a scale of Stellaris where you can have hundreds of thousands of points, you know, invested in, you know, fleet strength and stuff like that. It's closer to endless space where you have smaller fleets. So everything is kind of slower. Everything's more expensive. So my assumption is, is people were complaining that the game is too slow. And that's why they did this. But for me, it didn't feel like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't mm-hmm. like to rush to yeah. my games. When I play a 4X, unless it's something like maybe Space Tyrant, which is intentionally a very fast game... If I have, if it takes me several nights to finish, a, you know, a match or whatever you want to call it, a session or a sitting or whatever, you know, to finish a game or even a week or even a month, I'm okay with it as long as I'm enjoying myself. You know, that's all that really matters to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, you brought up Stellaris. Why don't you talk yeah, about that game for a little bit? Right. So we've been talking about it a lot because they're releasing a lot of dev diaries, and they recently moved on from the Leguin to the MegaCorp. Uh, which is the paid component of it. And uh, this week they're talking about the city planets called Ecumenopolis. So it's like basically one city takes up the whole planet. And they're going into a little bit more detail explaining how it works. You need an ascension perk for it. You need technology, the ecology project, and you got specialization on it where um, like the planet has to be settled. Every single tile on the planet has to be settled. Every I'm sorry, I take it back. Not settled, but developed. Every single tile on the planet has to have populace on it. And uh, like basically all the districts have to be being utilized. So um, what makes these unique is you get specific bonuses depending on the type of arcologies you have. So you can have residential arcology, foundry, industrial, leisure, and based on these, the districts will develop in a particular way and they get bonuses to jobs and income. But at the flip side, there might be issues with crime because there's such a giant population on the planet and, you know, so that's one, but there's also a bonus to resource production. So it's it's another way to play tall where before 
like not, like with 2.2 they're making it harder to go wide you really have to to develop in that direction to start going wide so now you can play tall and you can do it better so that's that's one aspect of it the other thing is is that they're talking about the mega structures so they're introducing four new mega structures now in the announcement i used the picture of one of them which was called the uh, matter decompressor and i said "Ooh, i wonder what this is and i knew what it was but just you know to get people looking and basically the same way that you have a dyson sphere currently in the game well this is not quite like that but this is a structure that's um extracting resources from a black hole now this is very much fantasy because i don't <laughs> yeah. think there's any way we can't even grasp our minds around the the strength, power, and just vastness of black holes that we can assume that oh, we know how we're gonna extract stuff from it. So, but and they kind of say that instead of getting all uh, you know gobbledygooky with fake science, they're like, oh, okay, it's too complicated. It's just take our word for it. They can do it. You know, it's a game, which is cool. I appreciate that. You know, that's I I, I don't like it when games like totally. You know, they try to take some stuff seriously and other stuff they're like, oh, this is pretend. Why Why can't you accept it? So, you know, that that's one issue that Paradox has never had, thankfully. So that's one of the structures. Another one is called the Strategic Coordination Center. This has to do with um, increasing the naval capacity of your fleet, starbase capacity, defense, sublight speed improvements. So basically, this is a structure that will make you more of a, if you're playing tall, especially if you're playing, it'll make you more capable of standing up to some of the other empires out there. And then you have a mega art installation, interstellar assembly, which is like galactic UN. So you have that. Now, to me, all of this stuff is really exciting. I, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I can promise that if we get a key early enough, we will have a review for re-examination for Stellaris basically through 2.2 shortly after we get the key. So if it comes out this year, we'll do our best to get it out before the end of the year. I mean, if it comes out this month, we'll definitely have it by mid-December, maybe even early December. But if it comes out in late December, being holidays now, it'll probably be early next year. But yeah, we're all excited. I know that Mark is itching to get his hands on it, and he's promising that as soon as we get access, he's going to start making videos and, you know, uh, get the patron, uh, our patrons involved again, like he did the last time, which was very, very uh, well received. And you, you know how it is. Whenever you do that, people tend to be engaged. Oh, it's very entertaining, especially when Mark does it. He's especially he's when Mark does it. He's really good at it. So look forward to that. We'll we'll keep you guys in the loop and we'll let you know when stuff's coming. Yeah, very cute. Well, cool. Excuse me. Uh, let's get down to earth and talk about Total War Warhammer Two. And it's upcoming expansion DLC thing called Curse of the Black Pearl. I, I mean, Curse <laughs> of the Vampire Coast. Sorry. And, Very uh, cute. Very cute. <laughs> so, yeah, this week we got a video for it. And it introduces the Necrofex Colossus, which is a golem that's made from a wrecked pirate ship with... Uh, an arm, a, a bunch of cannons on an arm that are way too big to ever fit on a ship. <laughs> and a whole bunch of dead bodies in the belly, which I suppose power the thing. And uh, it's really weird looking and uh, disturbing. And I think that's just absolutely perfect right. for uh, the theme of this uh, expansion and mm -hmm. for uh, the faction that gets to use this. It's just... Mm -hmm. It's really gross and gory and weird and strange. Uh, and, man, like I can't wait to see Let's Plays with this thing. Oh, there's oh, already out there. They're already oh, there already have Okay, a, I need oh, to yeah. find some because it just, looks, it just looks totally weird and wild. Some I'd of love the, to see it in action. Some of the people that I follow already are putting stuff up. They can't show the intro video not it's not an intro video but like the video um the i get whatever the 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 specific hero videos that's about each one of them so depending on which hero you pick they have their own video you know the reveal or whatever but they can't show those because that's not going to be seen until the game is officially out but as far as gameplay it's already out there and it looks it looks fantastic i mean if you are a warhammer fan and you have not 
try Total War Warhammer 2 or 1, you should because Creative Assembly is just knocked it out of the park now okay let's continue talking about total war so every couple of months they release uh this blog post which is discussing the status of development of the various themes so they released one on the 29th of october of 2018 obviously and they're talking about their various games so the saga team is continuing to work on thrones of britannia now thrones of britannia so far has come out to mixed reviews and they're trying to improve it, so they're you know taking community feedback, doing the best to make it better. Now, um, the historical team is continuing to work on Three Kingdoms, which is basically, there's two aspects to the game. There's the romance of, and then there's the historical version. So um, this is, uh, it's coming. It's, it's about, I think at the time of posting, it's about five months. So March, March or April of next year, it's going to be coming out, and they're continuing at it. Now, they have the Arena team, which is working on the mobile, I believe, mobile version of the game, but I'm so disinterested in that that I'm not even going to bother talking about it. We will have a link in the notes, so if you are curious, by all means, please check it out. But yeah, if, if it's mobile, very few games on mobile, get my attention this is not one of them now the fantasy con so there's the there's two fantasy teams there's the new content team and then there is the the major fantasy team so the new content team are the guys that worked on the vampire coast and they're talking about the vampire coast and you know uh, what went into making it and it's coming out they're super excited the integration into the vortex campaign into the mortal empires campaign and most likely they're going to start working on the next thing now they, they don't mention anything here but in the various videos they keep talking about arabia they keep talking about uh the orient and the Inde and indus and nippon and that's like warhammer's version of the far east and those factions are not covered in any great detail in the lore, like in Games Workshop lore, the Warhammer lore. It is not covered there. So it's very likely that these guys are going to take some creative license and really do something interesting. So part of the Vampire Coast is they're starting to do that. They're One of the heroes is a Creative Assembly hero. They did a fantastic job with her. She's actually looking like one of the more interesting heroes. So we'll see if they, they can do something super creative with this aspect of lore that's very lightly and very commonly glossed over by games workshop so i mean they are working with game workshop they are working with the lore people over there so it's not like they'll just make something up out of the blue you know moving on so the fantasy team is in pre-production for their next fantasy game but we know that this is total war three no are you kidding me why why am i kidding you total three yes so at the time, before they released the first one, they said that there's going to be three of them. Oh, but did they? Oh, yeah. Okay. But the okay. thing is, so is they, like, they've announced this. And oh, yeah. No, we've comes. known this. this not just, uh, no, no, okay. no. We've known right. this from the beginning. I got you. The okay. way I was, was about to freak out. Because oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Okay. And uh, no, no, no. This is they they talked about. So they first of all, here's the thing. I'm saying Total War 3. They don't say Total War 3. But what they do say is like one of the little lines at the end there is hold tight and trust in Sigmar. Well, that's to, that's Warhammer. So this is Total War 3. I mean, my guess is it'll probably come out. The Vampire Coast was probably the second to last expansion for Total War 2. And it's okay because the expansions have been big. They've been fantastic. Very good expansion so if they do another one that'll be awesome and then go on to total war 3 and then do the you know basically like the story of the games makes sense within what's happening in the lore you know in the games workshop lore before the end times so we'll see what they do with that and um you know i mean i'm i'm on board with what they're doing they're not overly monetizing it they're not doing any any shenanigans the content you get for your money is great the free stuff that they add is awesome so you know what keep it up creative assembly you're killing it and uh we appreciate it now moving on this is a game that i have access to and i'm insanely hyped for so can you guess what it is i mean you know what um, it is. it's phoenix is it bejeweled for Yes. How did you know? 
<laughs> but you know, I, I kid, but I don't. If they release it, that is a mobile game I would be interested in. <laughs> Me too. So that, so there you go. You see, so the, so, but that's not a you know a, a Total War game or 4X. That is just you know a match three drop down jewel game, whatever you want. That we all play whenever there's we can't play something else exactly <laughs> so it's fun i love the music it's it's completely like my brain shuts off when i'm playing it and that's not something that you get to do all that often right so anyways let's anyway back to phoenix point so last week we talked about it and this week they released what appears to be at least a first official type trailer and i don't know if this is the trailer trailer or this is like a reveal trailer but they show a lot of stuff that they have not shown before and it's just like the music, the atmosphere, it's so good. Link is in the notes. Click on it. I don't want to say anything else, but oh my God, this is going to be amazing. You heard it from me for the 530th time, and now I will say it 531 times. This, this game is going to kill it. This game is just going to knock it out of every imaginable park or any other euphemism you want to slip in here. And speaking of games of this nature, uh, which is another game we're following, this one is based like a spiritual successor for the original XCOM games, not the remake by Firaxis, but the original one from Julian Gollop, who's actually making Phoenix Point. So this was, this was backed on Kickstarter, and I was pretty excited for it, so much so that this is the second game that I backed this year. No? Is the second or third game. So I got Thea 2, I have Phoenix Point, um, Phoenix Point and Xenonauts. So yeah, third game in the last two years, let's just say that. And they have, they're talking about a closed beta release that's going to be also at the end of the month. So initially it was going to be right around the time you hear the show, but they pushed it back a couple of weeks, but only a couple of weeks. It's not a big deal. It's not like they're telling you, hey, it's coming out in six years from now, you know. So Basically, the premise of this closed beta is to test the systems. There's a certain gameplay loop in it, which is aspects of it are shooting down UFOs, getting missions on, you know, from the Geoscape or their version of the Geoscape, you know, moving the story along. And they're they're looking for anything that breaks that loop. And that's like a considered a game-breaking bug. So this beta is going to be looking for that. And it's talking about the maps. Uh, it's talking about the like the screen where you see your operator and you get um, the inventory, like their, their equipment, their gear, their armor, their weapons, whatever they happen to be. And basically, if you played um, Xenonauts 1, this is just an improvement in every sense on that. Uh, graphical improvement, uh, tactical uh, user interface improvement, gameplay improvement, because that game was fun. Speaking of which, Mark did a Let's Play for it that was, again, a lot of fun and were very well received. So my guess is when the time comes, he'll probably do it also for Xenonauts too. And speaking of Mark doing stuff, he also made a video, an impressions video for um, the beta, the kickstarter build 2 or the backer build 2 phoenix point so we got that too we'll have that in the notes as well and that's it for the mainline news now usually at this point i start discussing some game that i want to talk about in the what is section but since this is the first show or episode 209 or the beginning of the fifth year we're not going to have a game this week, but we're just going to talk about this section a little bit. And one of the things is when I initially started, we got quite a bit of feedback. Oh, that's so cool. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And as we went on week after week after week, nobody says anything. Now, what I would like this week is for people listening to give us feedback. Let us know. Do you like this segment? Do you feel that, you know, it is meeting some kind of a need that you have? Or is it just a waste of time and the games we cover are, you are not interested in? Or maybe you would like us to cover some other games because mostly we've been covering uh, 4X from time to time, strategy games, RPG, like squad tactics, turn-based, sometimes RTS, city builders. But we've, we've been kind of all over the place here. So let us know what you think. Like, what do you feel is working and not working about this segment because we're always looking for feedback, we're always looking to interact with our listeners and, you know, tailor the show to that because, hey, we don't do the... I mean, sure, we, I guess we like the sound of our voices, but after, you know, 
close to 300 podcasts, you can get tired of the sound of your own voice. <laughs> so what I do this for is for the interaction with the listeners, you know, to the conversation that this starts, you know? Yeah, and if you know of a weird but good game that you think we might want to feature in the What Is segment and uh, that would get you interested in it, uh, you know, tell us in the forums or on the comments for the podcast and we'd be interested to hear about it. We're always looking for stuff that's a little bit different that uh, we could maybe signal boost a bit. Yep, and actually what I'm thinking of doing is doing a small little write-up for all the games that we've featured so far. Like oh, that's a good idea. Making a exposition a short exposition where i i create a list with links to all the games so people that might have missed the show or like oh i don't know i don't want to go looking through all the notes we'll have it all in one place for everything that we've done so far this year and then each year i will do the like maybe once or twice a year i'll do a list of 52 titles or 26 titles you know yeah. or maybe the best or something like that. You could you know? do like uh, year five part one, year five part two, something like that. Yeah, yeah, be good. something like that. Because it's it's you know people forget. I mean, I forget, but I have access to all of this. I have the master list that I go from. So you know, share that with the people. Okay. Speaking of which, so you came up with the idea for the poll for the month of October. So why don't you tell us about the results and what made you come with okay. come to that well, poll? One of the things I was interested in for the Forex community and Forex genre, particularly development, was what is the age group that we're dealing with when it comes to the the people who are the most enfranchised, the most interested and active Forex fans? And I figured those would be the people that come to our site, you know, will take the time and the trouble to vote in our polls and read our articles and things like that. So... I think this poll would mostly reflect reflect the the most engaged Forex fans out there. And the question was, in what decade did you play your first Forex game? And I kind of figured that the 90s would win because that's when some of the greatest Forex games ever were released. I just didn't realize the 90s would win by this margin. It got 61.3% of the vote. The next closest decade got 18 and a half. So that's, whew, that is a big margin. If you combine the mm -hmm. 80s and 90s, which would be the two oldest group of mm -hmm. voters, mm -hmm. you're coming away with almost 80% of, yep. of the fan base that voted. Mm -hmm. Only 3.7% played their first 4X game within the last eight years. So the, yep. the 2000 teens. Okay. Yep. So that would be Endless Legend, that would be Endless Space. Well, Endless Space, Endless Legend, Stellaris. A uh, Age of Wonders 3. Age of um, Wonders 3, Civ, Gals Civ, Civ Gals 5, Galsiv 3. So that's in, and, and other games. So yeah. that's interesting because that, you know, like one of the, one of your biggest complaints, not just you, but a bunch of the guys, not and not on Exploring It, but in general, is like, oh, why are so many games tailored to the 90s? Why can't they move away from Master of Orion 1 and 2? Why does every game have to copy it? Well, because the majority of the people that play these games grew up on that. That, that was their first induction into 4X. So my assumption is that those people playing those games, majority of them were not five years old. Probably teenagers, mid to late teens, maybe young adults. Maybe adolescent. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Ad, right? Mm -hmm. Right? A 10-year-old, possibly. 9, 10-year-old, 11-year-old. I don't I mean, see anyone younger than 10 really attempting no, like Master Ryan 2. Mm, I just... I, mm, mm -mm. Or, or well, Civ 2. Mm, no. Well, I, I don't know. It's it's a th it's a matter of times type of thing but regardless the point is is that a lot of the players at this point would be in their 30s and 40s right or and maybe 50s, 50s even right or, or and i know some of our community members are in their 60s which is fantastic because that's great you know this it's you know this is not a bad hobby hobby at all as long as you're getting some physical activity outside of gaming. <laughs> okay. that, that's the other thing is you kind of got to do that to take care of yourselves. You know, gaming is awesome, but you got to be healthy too. Right. But anyways, you know, public service announce message or announcement aside, um, it's interesting, and this kind of explains why a lot of a lot of games are going after that crowd. You know, right? Uh, but two two takeaways I have are one um we're old 
Well, the forex genre is not doing a good job of attracting mm. younger people. Yes. And two, uh, I wonder how much attention they're paying to the older people right now because those who played in the 90s and 80s, we're in the middle of our careers right now. You know, this is our prime earning age. We've got mm -hmm. kids, which means lots of activities and sports and things like that. So our gaming time is very limited. Yes. And I think this is why micromanagement has become kind of a boogeyman for 4X mm -hmm. games because nobody's got time for that. <laughs> right now, yeah. if I got to micromanage every little thing and just playing a few turns is going to take me an hour, no thanks, I'll go play something else. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think that there, there's several several opportunities here based mm -hmm. on the results of this poll. Let's see. Yeah. I wish I wish we had the total number of votes. Let's see. I can do a quick estimate. 100, 330-ish, 90. So uh, a little over 500 votes here. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty good sample size. That's a pretty good sample size. We it's have like 500, 530 votes, I believe, plus minus 10. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, 530 votes. We've got about 5,000 people that follow our curator page. We have <laughs> more, closer to 5,400. Okay. It's Oliver's work is making it grow like crazy. So is, thanks, Oliver. We're approaching 3,000 members in our uh, forums. So... You know, I think for the sample size of Exploraminate mm -hmm. fans, let's say mm -hmm. the, the greater mm -hmm. Exploraminate community, five hundred some votes is 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 pretty indicative of mm -hmm. where we are, and mm -hmm. that that would translate well, I think, to the broader Forex community. So there you go, developers. Um, have a look at that poll. Maybe I'll do a, a very short article write up about it. Maybe I mm -hmm. should, Nate. And yeah, um, totally. And you know, just take take something away from that and apply it to future games. That'd be really good. And speaking of which, we have a new poll up. And this one, uh, in the past year, I've been doing polls for two months. But I have more time on my hands right now. My uh, other stuff, got, my schedule cleared up a little bit. So I've been writing more. And as a result, I also have a little bit more time for this stuff. So I'll be updating it monthly for the short term. And this month's poll is, do you like the most recent version of Steam Cells? Because we're always talking about this. And not too many people have voted, but it's already showing. From the votes that are there, there have been zero votes for the one that I suspected would get the fewest votes. And close to zero for the other one. But pretty much everything is falling kind of where I suspected it would. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm curious because I'm not very happy with the Steam Cells. I haven't been happy with them for the past year and a half. But uh, I'm curious to see what the community feels about it. And with that, I would like to ask you this very pressing question. Troy, are you ready? Hit me. What have you been playing last week? Uh, I played just a very little bit of World of Tanks Blitz. Not very much at all. Just got in, mm -hmm. try out some of the new tanks that I got in the mm -hmm. recent Halloween event. Mm -hmm. But nothing serious. Um, I played another campaign of Space Tyrant and lost mm -hmm. again. I did get a new ha. card added to my deck. Nice. So I guess that's the point. Like they intend for you to lose this a bunch of times and then eventually win when you yeah. get enough cards and research. So or improve your play to utilize your cards better. Well, yeah. The 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 game that I played before I lost, I mean I was I was rocking it pretty good. I had almost every mm -hmm. single planet taken over. So mm. I don't know. All right. I don't know. Well, there is you? a diff uh, there is a difficulty spike there, so perhaps. Uh, what have you been playing? Well, this past week, um, I played some Armello on my Switch. I got a key from the publisher for it, the one that ported it to the Switch, the developer that ported it to the Switch. I got a key, and I've been playing it now. Armello is one of my favorite games on the PC that's not a 4X or typical strategy game. It's very much a board game, like a digital board game, mixed with card game and dice and everything. So I like it a lot. I did the excursion for it a couple of years back. Um, I have a version on my iPad that I play from time to time. When I'm in the mood, I don't feel like firing it up, which is good. Now I have it for the Switch, which the only complaint I have, and that's not to them, that's really more about the Switch, is that the screen is small. I'm used to a slightly bigger screen with the iPad, so... 
I'm having to hold it a little bit closer to my face than I'd like to to get like the big picture. But the controls are solid. The game plays well. And definitely this is something that if anybody were to ask me, ah, you know, I'm looking for some good games, deep games. What would, what would you recommend? Well, this is definitely one of them. And then um, I got a key for um, basically remember we were talking about the XCOM like games that were coming. Yeah, a bunch of them. So I got a key for one of them. And this is an XCOM-like game. And this is, um, it's, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different than a typical game because a lot of times, like XCOM games, it's, it's an open world type of game. There's a main story, but you kind of do whatever you want, in a sense. This is Mutant Year Zero, Road to Eden. And this is a post-apocalyptic future Earth. You're not going to have a giant squad. Your squad's not going to be able to take, go up. They, they don't become gods by the end of the game. I mean, I haven't gotten really far. I played, I don't know, maybe an hour since I fired it up. It's fun. It's got a lot of cool stealth, great dialogue. This is an RPG slash squad combat. And it is a very tight game. You, you have a story. I don't know how much branching there is from the story. So it's hard to say, but it's not as open as, say, XCOM or Phoenix Point or even Xenonauts will be. But uh, keep listening. I'll let you know. I like it. I'm very, most likely I will write an excursion for it, but it's probably going to be maybe two, two and a half months before I get a chance to do that because I still need to put out a couple of uh, 5X reviews by the end of the year. So I'll be fo- any writing will be focused on that. Okay, well, that's very interesting. I guess we'll close up the podcast. Yeah, no. That's- <laughs> <laughs> what thank else, you, Nate, you. have you been playing? Oh, just a little bit Red Dead Redemption 2. A little bit. And by a little bit, I mean every chance I get to play it, short of skipping out on necessary fatherly, husbandly, and adult duties I spent playing this game. It is eight and a half years ago when the first game came out. This is probably one of the most impactful games, the first Red Dead Redemption I've ever played. Like, it wasn't a game as much as it was an experience. And you 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 just don't know how a sequel will do. You You hope that it'll be as good as the original. Well, I think it's better. This game is just amazing insane phenomenal now if you don't like these types of games uh, well then the game sucks don't waste don't bother you know if if all you want to do is jump online and you know shoot other people well then wait a little bit because it's going to have their online mode i think in a couple of weeks from now two weeks from now or something like that but you know for single player experience this game is insane that the quality the the dialogue the gameplay the controls are complicated there's a lot of stuff you got to do so it's going to take you a while to kind of get you know get it but once you do you don't think about it anymore you don't you just do it you kind of like okay you're doing it you're not even thinking about what you're doing and it's just it's i, I don't want to spoil anything i don't want to tell anybody anything you know each person will get their own from it, but there's stuff in here so far that I've seen and done that's like made me feel these things. I think they're called emotions. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm told, I don't know. It's it's an oomph inside and <clears throat> you know, it's just it's it's awesome and like I don't know. It's it's amazing. I can't say enough positive stuff about this. And I, I will leave it at that. And that's mostly it. Between that and like the commitments I have for exploring, it doesn't leave a lot of time for other things right now. So if anybody was expecting something else, hey, I'm not playing any XCOM. There is that. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to say before we close this up? The usual, a huge thank you to our patrons. You all make this possible. So we're very grateful to you. Uh, Stay tuned for the upcoming content from Mark for Stellaris. We'll get in touch with you. We'll take some of your ideas again and some of your names and make you victims. I mean, players, characters in the campaign, you know. And uh, we're always looking for more. So if you you like what we do and you, you know, you, you think that we're doing it well, you know kick up a couple of bucks in our direction we appreciate it spread the word and uh you know keep keep following us we got our cool stuff coming in the near future and um i think that's it just a big thank you to oliver for all the work he's been putting recently with the database and with our curator stuff so i think that's it what about you you got anything uh no that'll be it uh we'd like to thank any everybody for joining us this week we enjoyed having you with us on the podcast this has been troy and nate for explore Take care, everyone. See ya.